This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele, a show that matches business mentees with exceptional mentors to provide the skills and knowledge to navigate the entrepreneurial journey. Beyond Mentorship is brought to you with the compliments of Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. A very good evening to you and welcome to Beyond Mentorship. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele. I'm delighted once again to reconnect with you on this glorious Monday, uh, rainy Monday, I must, I might add. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend and hopefully you've started your Monday positively. Um, as, you know, as we proceed, I just want to quickly reflect on what uh, Denzel Washington once said. He said, I quote, show me a successful individual and I'll show you someone who had real positive influence in his or her life. He further went on to say, I don't care what you have done, what you're doing for a living. If you've done it well, I'm sure there's somebody who was behind your success. Interesting observation from that particular point of view. Uh, this is something that I, I hope will, re- will resonate with um, you on this glorious um, you know, Monday morning. As you proceed, I, I want you perhaps maybe you know, just to reflect on the basis of, of our current conversation, it's, you know, I often, ref- I often go back as far as possible just to capture the overarching you know, uh, issues that we face with almost every day. Uh, the, biggest, the biggest of them all is unemployment rate, which is straddling around 40, 40% uh, when, using the high, when using the broader definition of unemployment. And it's, it's quite disheartening that the vast majority of those unemployed, close to about 60, or so percent um, affect uh, youth, of which majority of them have uh, tertiary qualifications, and and it that on its own it's not something you know uh, worth. It's it's well basically something that really uh, has to be taken very seriously uh, by everyone. Um, on the basis of this high unemployment rate that you've seen, uh, it is very clear to some of us that there is no calvary. Um, the help that is desperately needed is not coming, which means uh, you must empower yourself as an entrepreneur, as a business person, by reading as much as possible around materials um, that are worth looking at. Um, in addition, you, I mean, I also implore you to network upwardly by, you know, by having a conversations with other entrepreneurs because that is the basis in which you can strengthen technical gaps that you experience in your own particular uh, spaces. Moving along swiftly, um, it is customary to acknowledge those who came before us. On that note, uh, a word of gratitude to Overdrive team, uh, Michael McKenna, and thank you very much for uh, laying the foundation for Beyond Mentorship. Uh, it will also be criminal not to acknowledge the diligence of Craig, who's on the controller, and of course, Harry Sileke. Uh, who is the producer of the show. Once again, allow me to express my gratitude to the listeners of 91.9 Management uh, for allowing us to cross-pollinate uh, entrepreneurship content, thus, uh, moving, uh, thus obviously enhancing the movement uh, around entrepreneurship in this particular country. Uh, if you miss any of our show, particularly the last two ones, I had a very interesting conversation with Michen Adams, who is the founder and a CEO at uh, Aeon's Creative Technology. Uh, Michen gave us a very interesting insights around practical approaches uh, which can determine your success. 
you know, over and above uh, Mitchell's conversation, I had a privilege of interviewing a very uh, interesting entrepreneur by the name of Pilani Mano, who runs his own company focusing on plumbing and construction. So this is actually the essence of this particular show because we're trying to bring as much as possible uh, entrepreneurs as well as mentees who would certainly benefit um, by listening or, be, or by being paired, paired with those particular uh, mentors of uh, high caliber. Before we take our break, I think it's important that I, once again, as I left the foundation of our conversation tonight, weigh in. Our SMS line is 34519. Uh, and of course, your, your thoughts and views are most welcome via my Twitter handle, which is Dr. Mbele. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back in a second as I lay down the foundation of what is coming just in a second. This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele is brought to you with the compliments of Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back to Beyond Mentorship. My name is Nimrod Mbele. Um, as I've said before we took that short break, we are, having a, we, we are going to have a very interesting conversation as always. Uh, I'm joined by the CEO of Plus 94, uh, Dr. Sefiso Falala, who will also be joined by Mpompo, who is uh, CEO at Masutuana Research. Um, the essence of our conversation is going to revolve around uh, the kinds of challenges that entrepreneurs are experiencing. So um, what is quite important is the fact that Plus 94 Research, as, from a, as, as it is part of their core business, from time to time, they undertake uh, you know, compelling research that informs uh, strategic thinking uh, for government, um, corporate, and so on and so forth. So the kind of um, tonight's feature will dig a little bit deeper on the kind of work they have done or the kind of experiences they have, uh, they're likely to unearth so that you and I can be left better off by the end of this conversation. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome Dr. Falala. Good evening, sir. Uh, Dr. Mele, thank you so much for having us uh, today on your show, on your wonderful show. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, can I also welcome Mpo Mpofu, who is the CEO at Masutana Research. Mpo, welcome. Thank you very much uh, for having us and giving us this opportunity. This is something that we're very passionate about. Looking forward to contributing. Passionate indeed. There we go. Um, already has laid a foundation that this is very. This is a topic that is close to heart, if not passionate. I employ you, the listener, to weigh in on our conversation. Our SMS line is three four five one nine. The telegram of the telegram is zero six one. Let me just quickly get this correct uh, before my producer kill me uh, thanks Gregory uh, the telegram is 061-895-1095 and of course your thoughts and views are also welcome via my Twitter handle which is uh, to Dr. Mbele uh, without any waste of time Dr. Falala um, you know you, you obviously as an as a citizen entrepreneur um, you understand you understand the importance of entrepreneurship uh, not as a by the way but as a core um, thought process because in this country we often look at entrepreneurship as a secondary feature as opposed to a primary feature because everyone wants to become an academic so just quickly um, the importance of entrepreneurship from, from where you're sitting it's very important uh, because we, we take a data driven approach uh, to how the economy is performing and uh, what can be done 
for the economy to be more competitive. Um, and if you look at the employment uh, levels in South Africa and the unemployment figures that you heard, uh, indeed you'll find that 60 to 70 percent of those that are, are employed are employed by the small to medium enterprise uh, sector, which is very significant. Um, as much as there is a tendency to put a lot of attention on um, established businesses, is in fact the small to medium enterprise sector that is very important, not just for for innovation in terms of uh, introducing new products, new services, uh, but also making the economy more diverse and more dynamic because by definition the SME sector does tend to have the provision innovation and for for dynamism. So it's a very important sector which is why when we do research we are looking for ways in which it is growing and if you compare its growth locally and internationally we are having to cope with companies now like OpenAI, for instance, Data Robot, and all of these companies that are involved in emerging technologies. And South Africa um, strives to become competitive globally. Um, it's very important that we have data on the entrepreneurs in South Africa and the SME sector in particular as a special focus area. Um, and what I may add um, is that the informal sector employs anything up to about 30% of those that are in employment and they are just the informal sector. Now, can you imagine now if a lot more effort was to go into the informal sector and the SME sector, um, that would mean that uh, you could experience the growth we've always wanted that is about 5%. It's, it's quite an interesting uh, observation that you've, you that you've put to us. There are two variables. One, obviously, is the the extent to which SMMEs are the large are the 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 DNA of any competitive uh, country. I mean, obviously, when you look at US, UK, Japan, Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan, these are economies whose uh, economic base or is literally based on 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 small small businesses, and they're, they're quite competitive. And and the other issue that perhaps maybe we'll get to is around how to translate or migrate the informal sector to mainstream because thirty percent is actually quite a bit. On that, while we're still pondering on that, let me just bring in Paul. Um, Paul, obviously you're a researcher. And these issues that Dr. Falala has alluded to are quite important. Um, from your experience, what would you consider as factors that enable, first and foremost, is there appreciation of research and extent to which uh, create stuck a uh, picture of the situation, economic situation as it is? Um, I, I think I want to firstly ride at the back of what Dr. Lala has spoken about um, in terms of the importance of entrepreneurship. I think the issue around um, employment is a really big one. But I want to also, I work a lot with young people um, and this idea of allowing young people to generate lots of ideas, um, to stress test them, which is really a big part of what we do in the research work that we do, um, to support innovation, to support in a, uh, product development, um, you know, to, to support businesses to really optimize their offerings so that they give the best to the markets. Um, and these are the things that small businesses are deprived of. Um, so when we're talking about enablers, first and foremost, we need to 
it's an environment where we are allowing young ideas to thrive no matter how radical or how crazy they seem um, and then the second thing is that we need to allow them to fail. Um, I don't think we give them enough opportunity um, to to fail and to to learn and to grow from those those failure and those failures. And that's that's enabling um, environment. And within that that failure yeah. is then to be able to have the support mechanisms. So through mentorship and support so we within the market research industry have got now academies whose whose sole function um is to support entrepreneurs with market research solutions um to be able to look at data um and market information and to not just look at it and see what it looks like but to then ask the question what does it mean for my business? What does it mean for my circumstances? How do I leverage this to penetrate a new environment in the market? You know, the fact that you are obviously presenting data to would-be entrepreneurs or those who are pretty much active, what, what is your sense of comprehension of this data uh, for them? In Because I would imagine that the, the role of presenting data is to enable them to reflect deeply uh, on, on what it means for them. But first and foremost, what is the absorptive capacity of entrepreneurs on the data that you are presenting to them? Yeah, I think uh, market research is always overwhelming um, because in a way it almost always starts by highlighting the things that you're missing. And I think that becomes incredibly overwhelming. But, you know, in the academy work that we do, um, we help entrepreneurs to almost take this data in bites, chunks and steps. And in each and every step is to then say, what does this mean? Interpret and apply um, at a small level. I think we also need to remember that entrepreneurs' function is to be entrepreneurs uh, and not to be researchers. So as an industry in research, we're always calling on additional mentorship to say, let us be available to help entrepreneurs to be able to digest the data. I think they do want the data. Yeah. They do want the data to support their strategic moves, but it is overwhelming. So we need to do more in order to support them, in order to be able to interpret the data. And thanks for that. But I, I perhaps maybe um, a, a, a step a little bit uh, further is, is the listener who's probably just wondering what data we're referring to, um, what sort of data that has to be bitten in small chunks to make a meaningful sense to the, the, the entrepreneur. What sort of data can, you know, could you just unpack that for us? All right, so we, we would break that into clusters. So I, I think the first thing is you coming into um, the market. So most entrepreneurs, they come to us with a, a grand idea um, and they're passionate about it um, and they believe that the market is going to accept it. So the, the first thing is to assess the size of the opportunity. And in assessing the size of the opportunity, um, I think that then becomes the first step to say how commercially viable will the market accept it? And if not, what are the barriers? How do we optimize? Um, so that becomes a systematic process in bite-sized chunks to take them through that first phase. Um, the second phase then means how then do we optimize the product so that it's relevant to the market, uh, the market can embrace it, um, and it has a perfect fit for, 
for that market, that also in itself becomes a process that needs to be broken down. Similarly with how do you market it? How do you communicate it? Thank you very much for that uh, clarity, which it beginning to make sense to the listener, because I'm sure um, as much as, as, as these are very high level, you know, uh, kind of consideration, it's important that we break them down for, for, for them to consume um, uh, in, in a granular details um, based on what you watch, based on your input. Um, I'm going to come back to Dr. Falala after the break. Let's quickly go to our markets and, and get back in a second. This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele is brought to you with the compliments of Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. Welcome back to Beyond Mentorship. My name is Nimrod Mbele. Before we went to that break, I had a, um, a, you know, obviously a hard moment, you know, uh, that I wanted to personally throw at Dr. Falala. Um, if you have missed earlier conversation, we are, we are systematically trying to unpack some of the challenges that are faced by entrepreneurs and what sort of research uh, data is being presented how research is being consumed by entrepreneurs dr falala they you know there's this general consensus or general rule that south africans are not readers to what extent the kind of research that you present uh, find uh, expression in in the appetite of 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 entrepreneurs First and foremost, is that is that a fact or just a fallacy that South Africans are not are not readers, particularly in business? Um, the uh, literacy levels are are rising, and I think we are at um, high in terms of just the ability to to read and and the the interest in in reading. And then, if you look at the growth of the social media. Uh, which involves a lot of text-based uh, communication. Um, it would seem to suggest that there is an interest in reading for for a purpose as opposed to random reading. Um, and, and certainly we are one of the most educated societies in terms of the number of graduates and graduates that are unemployed. So they, I, I would like that statement to be explained a bit further in terms of the context uh, in, in which it is framed and, and what it actually uh, means. And, and I think many people do read for a, for a purpose here, yeah, a purpose and for functionality. Um, but coming back to the idea around the data that is, is, is needed, um, you obviously need market size data to understand the, the size of the market, as Paul was saying, that you're going to be operating in. And, um, also to understand the players that are playing in there because in some markets while the market might be big the entry barriers tend to be steep such that it's, it's almost impossible to get in and um, and play competitively um, and if your competitors your competitors would almost certainly not help you uh, and if you cannot get help and this is what we find a lot of many people go to dfis um, development finance institutions and uh, also try and get some training maybe from teachers to try and uh, hold their skills so that they are more competitive. Certainly there is uh, a, 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 an attitude to be very practical. You must remember that South Africa is one of the leading companies in terms of hatching uh, local businesses 
Um, and people for often forget that we are responsible for brands such as NASPERS. Uh, for example, which originally was a print uh, media business, but then obviously transformed itself when they invested in content and uh, businesses like Discovery Health and some of their innovations such as the Vitality Program and Yoko, which enables small businesses, some of which we deal with, to effect electronic payments instead of uh, transacting only in cash as, as they used to. So we have a healthy, whether it's from um, companies like uh, famous brands um, and, and, and Nando's um, and some of the uh, low-cost airlines, South Africa is awash with successful entrepreneurs, which is why it's very important to understand the gap between the ones that are successful and the ones that are still trying to get into the market, particularly in view of the stagnant um, economic growth. Uh, and I'm, I'm th- thanks for that, Dr. Falala. And, and it's quite interesting that you, you looked at um, some of the success stories in South Africa. I mean, Nanos is obviously uh, one of the key success stories. And the numbers are, the example are just massive. And, and these are some of the pockets of excellence that ordinarily can be used to shape and influence the thinking of young entrepreneurs um, to, to follow um, business as a priority as, a fo- as opposed to uh, being consumed by academia. We all know that academia has, the market is saturated. And I, I, th- I think that's something that we, we constantly have to, del- we constantly have to be deliberate uh, in pushing for, uh, because if your glass is half full, the chances are you would change people's mindset around entrepreneurship or around uh, business education, a- as it were. But let me just bring in Poi. Elian Poi said, we need to allow entrepreneurs to fail. Um, and, and, and obviously, the assumption we make is that those that fail can pick up or can learn um, some of the challenges because, you know, being a, a successful or becoming a successful business, it's not a, an event, it's a process, and of which is made up of hundreds of mistakes. Paul? Yeah, yes, I, I think one of the things that we really try to to focus on is to make entrepreneurs aware that this is a journey, um, this is a process, and in each step or level of the journey or process, uh, there are key learning milestones. And even when you have substantial support, especially in some of the programs that we work on where there's extensive funding and uh, there's extensive cushioning, uh, I think the the experience of doing something uh, and failing at it and having to solve the problem around why did this not work, the process of optimization, the process of critical thinking, uh, but also the process of being able to absorb that disappointment, um, you know, because it's about the endurance, it's about the resilience, it's about, so these are the unique features of of entrepreneurs. So there tends to be sometimes, especially with young people that we deal with, this culture that when they've got funding and they've got this network of mentorship that everything is going to be successful and they're going to have a private jet and a Ferrari. (laughs) And it's not really that way. There there is the process of paying school fees and it's not an easy one and it it requires a hard skin. 
I couldn't agree with you more. Earlier on, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Falala mentioned the, you know, the some of the enablers, and in particular, you, you reference to, to uh, the DFIs, Development Financial Institutions, which uh, almost like a swear word when you have a conversations with uh, entrepreneurs. To what extent, from a research point of view, that perception is changing, uh, you know, positively or Take us through that. What is the general perceptions of DFIs from the perspective of entrepreneurs? Um, if I may, um, uh, if the question is directed to me, uh, I, I'd say that the first perception relates to the available funds to assist uh, small businesses, startups. Um, there are so many businesses that are registered but are not operating and then there are others that are operating but are not registered because of lack of adequate funding and also lack of adequate training. The amount of money spent by, for example, the National Empowerment uh, Fund anything in the vicinity of 1.1, 1.2 billion rands, which is just about um, enough money for one major project. Now, if you try and divide that money uh, and spread it nationally, uh, provincially, uh, it's not it's not sufficient um, for prospective um, investees that are interested in developing their idea. Uh, but also, one is to take into account that a lot of these. Uh, DFIs are perceived by the investees not to fully understand their projects. While they do everything possible through the process of applying for funding and justifying them, there is a perception that some of the best ideas are, are not taken, are not invested, and some of the worst ideas are invested, which is why, in fact, the rate of return um, on um, DFIs is not that great in South Africa. You can look at um, something like uh, NYDA, the National Youth Development Agency, for example, and look at what they have, probably under a billion as well, in terms of the amount of money that is uh, available. That's not enough for the youth in Gauteng in terms of the level of investment, not to mention that the treatment uh, or the criteria that is used to evaluate these um, potential projects um, is considered, the perception is that is fairly subjective and might, for instance, address imperatives that are demographic rather than imperatives that relate to the efficacy and um, the, the, the value of the, of the idea. Because if the idea is unique, likely that there isn't a person within the agency, the funding agency, that fully understands. I couldn't agree with you more, which means there's a need for, at, maybe at government level, more and more education, just to educate entrepreneurs on the kind of protocol, the kind of um, processes which they need to go through and understand the requirements of these uh, financial institutions because having a good idea which has not been tested, having a good idea which has not uh, which is not understood or which is not embedded in the market research which you are accustomed to or that which, which you, you correctly pointed to us, it makes it very difficult because um, it, it's almost like you, 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 you are entitled to a service without understanding 
the value of your business uh, um, embedded in, in some kind of empirical research. Am I correct to, to sum it up that way from, from the point of really? Yes, Dr. Mbele, one of the, one of the recommendations that we have made um, in respect of the various development uh, funding institutions is to adopt a framework uh, with indicators that reflect more on, uh, on competence and prior success. It sounds almost like a cliche that you want prior success, but the person doesn't, in fact, have any funding. But some companies are able to achieve limited success without funding. In other words, they may be making, for example, one grand a week or one grand a month, but they are making that one grand a month, as opposed to a company that wants to borrow, say, for example, two, two million or three million rands from the DFI and they've never made a single cent. But their idea on paper looks amazing. Uh, so it's, it's uh, one of the recommendations, and I think the investors respond very positively to, especially those that are passionate about their idea, that the DFIs should consider looking at retrospective uh, success, regardless of the scale at which the operation was engaged in. Bearing in mind also further that they don't normally inquire as to the reason for becoming an entrepreneur. And there are three major ones. The, the first one is economic. There are entrepreneurs, there are people who see all the flashy lifestyles of successful business people and want to emulate them. And for economic reasons, they decide that they want to get into, into business. Not always the best, or they see something on social media, which is glamorous and glitzy, including trips overseas, then they believe that it is because one is an entrepreneur that they're able to do that and they become an entrepreneur. And then you also have the second category, which goes into um, entrepreneurship because they are unemployed. So they're not necessarily um, na a naturally born business person that has an idea, but because they're unemployed, they then say, you know what? Why don't I start a business? So you have that as well. And then the third category, which is one that most people suspect should um, dictate the extent to which one is involved, is that they have a product or a concept or an idea that is unique that will add value to, to South Africa, that will make a difference in the lives of those that buy the product or, or service. So with all those factors uh, considered, uh, I think we could do a lot more research around the DFIs uh, themselves and uh, not just the DFIs but also the banks because the criteria t does tend to be inflexible and to focus on specific um, uh, guarantees and certain types of information that at the end of the day does not predict um, commercial success when the business is finally launched. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, maybe just going back to those three categories that you've mentioned, but I want to bring you in here because um, there lies in the value of a mentorship because uh, if you've got a mentor, um, uh, looking at the third category, category that's as if you so spoke about, that of a, an individual with a solid product or services that is, that is not only unique but uh, likely to be in demand, um, what role can a mentor play in perhaps maybe removing the fluff 
around the first two categories around uh, economic uh, lifestyle as well as um, the fact that one is employed. Let me just do this. So the real focus has to be on a third category that looks at a person that has got a product and that is scalable, a product that is unique, a product that can really make a difference. How does how do we elevate the last category by ensuring that mentor uh, is assigned to that particular individual and is able to support that individual, strengthen the product they have. This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele is brought to you with the compliments of Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. Welcome back. Um, we're going to apologize for that technical glitch, you know. Uh, gremlins have the got funny way of, of creeping in in the middle of a very interesting conversation. Um, Paul, uh, before that, those gremlins cropped in, I wanted to ask you, because Sifisa uh, mentioned three categories of typical uh, 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 individual that, that, that either that falls into business. One is that they, they go into business because they see freshy lifestyle uh, uh, on YouTube and, and this, you know, uh, soapies and what have you. The other one looks at uh, entrepreneurship or business ventures because they're unemployed. You know, the third one is about individual that has a unique unique product that makes value or that, that makes a difference uh, uh, in our lives. And I wanted to gravitate to what the last one because this is where this particular show is all about. This show is about strengthening those individuals that have got a product that are passionate about making a difference. So the question is, how important is mentorship assigned to this particular group of individuals in, in, in harnessing their energies and making sure that the product they, they, they are building uh, add value to the businesses? Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely important, um, you know, in in the work that we do um, with the, the Royal Bafukeng program, um, which is one of the ones that I'm incredibly proud of, because it, it really is looking at at ideas that are. Uh, young people are, are are really, you know, going for for big ideas around technology, solving health problems, solving education problems, um, you know, looking at AI, um, you know, revolutionizing um, language call centers, um, you know, so really in terms of scope, um, and it's about taking risks with those young people, with those grand ideas, um, and some of the ideas that we're working with it's, it's ideas that sometimes feel almost ahead um, of their time and it becomes then very important for us as mentors uh, and as established businesses to bridge that gap um, to be the ones that are, are supporting and nurturing these ideas and making sure that they don't die um, because I, I think I, I think Sfiso had spoken about having the right people to be the ones that assess and evaluate um, and whether the idea needs the support or not and sometimes people that are doing the evaluation are not even entrepreneurs themselves 
So, you, you know, then our role then becomes critical to make sure that these ideas are in front of the right people. Um, these ideas have got the, the, the necessary access to, to the relevant support, um, to the relevant know-how, even in, in other markets. Uh, so so it, it is critical because it requires nurturing. Uh, it requires more time. It requires more investment. It, it comes with more risk. Uh, but it is a risk that we have to take if we want to take Africa into the future. I couldn't agree with you more, but perhaps maybe one of the pains is that it's time because we have a number of, of, of mentors who, who wants to volunteer their time to support um, entrepreneurs in, in, their, in their journey. But time is obviously critical. So to what extent can, can entrepreneurs navigate that, that, that challenge? First and foremost, that um, I have um, uh, Falala, for, as an example, who's an executive and he doesn't have much time at his disposal. So which means entrepreneurs need to be ready so that they're able to ask the right questions at the right level and, and not to waste Falala's time, as an example. So to what extent is the training looks at those particular issues? Because the level of readiness, it's also... Um, create energy to a, a, a mentor that this person knows what he's talking about, uh, has read what he's talking about, and it's clear on the type of questions because maintaining a mentee relationship is built on energy and energy that is informed by the level of preparations on the side of mentees given limited time that is available. How important is that? It is an attitude. Um, you know, I, I always say to, to mentees that it is an attitude. When I started in my journey uh, many, many years ago, I won't reveal my age, mm -hmm. but um, I started with my mentorship on micromentor.org, which is a, a, an American organization. And there you're able to access uh, mentors from anywhere around the world. And one of the things that I learned earlier on with Asian and American mentors is that if you ever showed up a minute late, um, if you ever showed up and you were not prepared, they would immediately terminate the relationship of the mentorship. And I learned earlier on that it is an, it is an attitude and that when you are an entrepreneur, you're different. Um, if your friends are, are going out and they're buying, uh, you know, eating expensive dinners, clubbing till four in the morning, uh, buying fancy cars, you are bootstrapping. Uh, you are behind your laptop, ideating, connecting, uh, learning. Um, you know, when everybody else is listening to music, you are you are consuming content that's that's empowering, that's informing your your business. So, it's a very different life choice and lifestyle that you you're taking. Uh, so, it requires different inputs, different habits to support the relevant outputs of that. So if you are going to take a journey with a mentor, you have to be prepared. You have to, to plan your month. Um, I usually say to entrepreneurs, you break your year into quarters, uh, into your four quarters, and you have your goals for those four quarters. And every single month, there's a review. Where, where am I? Um, you know, what did I get wrong this past month? What am I going to do better going in? What do I need to know? from my mentor. Um, the, one of the other things that I did earlier on in, in my career was also to have different types of mentors because I know that Dr. Falala cannot give me four hours in a month. 
but I know that that one month that I'm going to be with Dr. Falala, I know that he's strong in this area and this is how I'm going to use that hour um, to focus on addressing these particular issues. And then my other mentor helps me with uh, financial issues. Uh, the other one helps me with the uh, work-life balance. So, you, you know, it, it's not just one mentor. Um, sometimes it has to be a combination uh, and taking an hour is, is is a lot of time it's 12 hours in a year um and that is an incredible amount of time and knowledge to have from somebody who's who's got a wealth of experience so it is an attitude and a lot of young people seem entitled to this time and really in, in nobody is owed this time and when you are given you have to take it as a privilege and leverage it for what it gives i couldn't agree with you more i mean you you are quite spot on this is something that we all grapple with i mean attitude determine your altitude eventually because um you know for you to to warrant my time uh, to warrant uh, anybody's time you must be respectful uh, which means um, you ne- you need to pay attention to you have to arrive on time and you you need to be prepared before you get to those kind of meetings and i actually like the idea of um, you know having different mentors because if you've got different mentors uh, they all have different uh, competencies. Others are good in finance, others are good in strategy, others are good in work-life balance and so on and so forth. So this is yet another uh, insight that I think um, the listener um, is obviously taking heed to it because it's quite an important uh, aspect that you, you throw the net and bring as many people as possible to add value to your, to, to your journey. Yeah. Anyway, before we get to uh, break, I'm gonna just uh, perhaps maybe uh, get get you know, Dr. Falala, uh, your parting shot because we're pretty much uh, gravitating towards the end of of this segment. Uh, you know, the importance again uh, of mentorship. Um, you know, because I, you know, Paul was quite correct by ref- making reference to issues around attitude, and because attitude, you're training the jockey. You know, if the jockey is not ready to race, the chances are nothing's going to happen. You're, you're putting short in as far as that is, that is concerned. You know, being an entrepreneur is not something that needs to be taken lightly because you are creating an entity that will exist um, even beyond your own existence and you want it to employ a number of people and to generate an income and therefore requires certain qualities. And and you did emphasize earlier that you certainly need to be passionate about the idea uh, that you are selling or you wish to to sell. But beyond that, you also need other skills in order to be an entrepreneur. It's not sufficient to uh, have a skill to bake a cake or to bake biscuits. You also need Perhaps if you are going to set up a business, you also need to have the EQ, the emotional skill. You also need people skills. You need to know how to deal with people because you'll have suppliers, you'll have customers, uh, you'll have employees, people that will help you on your journey. So it's very important to have people skills and you also need to be able to self-affirm. So self-affirmation is very important. And in South Africa, we are fortunate in that we have all these great, great, great companies that have world-class products. I always get surprised when I I, I watch celebrities overseas in places like England 
saying that they'd like to go and have Nando's, you know, and I think, oh, Nando's, it sounds very familiar. Um, <laughs> you know, so so we, we have these great companies and, and uh, we are at the threshold at this point with the uh, advances, especially in technology set to transform the way we do business of even more companies uh, that can leapfrog growth and development uh, sort of coming out of uh, South Africa. And as that happens, we need to self-affirm that there are so many successful companies already. But you also need organizational skills, uh, communication skills, financial skills, and as Paul highlighted, discipline. It's very difficult to to run a, any business, any kind of entity successfully if you lack self-discipline. Um, and the final skill, the, the one that I find hardest to train is instinct. Because when, when you have acquired all of these skills, you need to know which one to apply at the appropriate time, which mistakes you can't afford to make at any point and which mistakes you could um, afford to, to make. Um, so it takes time and experience to know that when you are dealing with the client, for example, that is particular about how their name is pronounced, that you pronounce their name properly. If you're dealing on the other hand with a client that is concerned about what goes into the annual report, into the year, year, year end report, that you put everything that you can into the year end report. And then you'll have a client that's only interested in profitability and profit margins or interested in uh, the environmental affairs. Um, so you have to understand which skill to invoke at what point. Absolutely. And that's the hardest thing. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dr. Falala and Paul, for your interesting inputs, which certainly made a huge difference to the listener. I certainly benefited a lot as, I'm, as I was listening to your conversation. Once again, thank you very much for gracing Beyond Mentorship. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very okay. much. There we, go. there we go. That was Dr. Falala, who is the executive at the 90 Plus 94 Research, as well as Mpompofu, who is an executive at Masuta Research, giving us um, their insights on what makes or break entrepreneurship as it were.